Amen. You do belong here. If you would, go ahead and grab your Bibles this morning. Uh, I was just trying. I got up on stage late there because I was just trying to get out to uh, go out to Praise Assembly and make sure to sign up for that trivia night. I do want to just mention real quick, super fast, that uh, you can on your phone just at this point go out to praiseassembly.org forward slash, not backslash, sign up. And you can, during video announcements, you see something that's interesting. There's going to be a sign-up out at our website. And it's, you can actually click that little button that's somewhere on your phone, depending on which one you've got. And you can say, save to my home screen. And then you can just click on that. And every time, it'll take you right to the sign-ups so that if there's something big that's going on, you can participate in it and make sure to get signed up for it. So make sure to do that. Grab your phone right now. You can ignore everything I'm saying for the next five minutes and do that. Grab your phone. And everybody in here has a smartphone. We used to think that like half of you, everybody has smartphones. And everybody's on Facebook except for me. And everybody else is, I mean, like you guys are so technologically savvy. You can figure that out. So you're going to get that happening right now, right? But you're also going to grab your Bibles even as you're doing that with one hand. You're going to grab your Bible with the other one. Um, I do want to mention, with it being uh, this Saturday, we mentioned the, um, uh, what do they call that, the summer movie nights. Uh, we are in the second of those. We've already done the first one last month. It was awesome. This, this next coming month, we're going to be doing the second of those movie nights. We're going out this Saturday to drop off popcorn and invitations. Uh, we call it in there uh, uh, a canvassing, popcorn canvassing. That doesn't sound fun at all. So it's an invite blast. That sounds like a blast to me. Uh, so make sure to sign up for that. You can go out to our website in order to do that. Um, but even though it said that it's summer movie nights and we've already done one, I was talking to somebody this week. And uh, as we were chatting, they said, you know, it's not technically summer yet. And I said, no, that's not true. That's not true. And so I looked it up. And according to the internets, there is a season in between winter and summer <laughs> called spring. I've never seen it, but I've heard it's there. And technically, we are still in spring until Thursday. Thursday is the first day of summer. So, so just as part of that, um, I thought, I mean, for us, summer begins when the kids are out of school. But for some of you, like maybe, like it's 90 plus degrees today. You're like, man, it's not summer. It's summer. But the summer doesn't technically start until Thursday, which is good because for years and years, decades even, there have been studies that have said that as the days get longer, as it gets hotter, as the days are nicer, as it gets to be summer, we as people, tend to be happier. It's just, we've known this for decades. And so, like this morning, I just, could you guys just smile? Can I get a smile? Okay, some of you are waiting until Thursday. But, but it's, it's soon coming. You're going to be happier. And that's great, except for the fact that in the last several years, even as we've realized and known for some time that summer is a time when people are happier, that along with that, over the last several years, and, and you can, if you are interested in any of these studies, I can get you all the information on them. You can take a look at them yourself. But 
There are other studies that have said that as we get happier in the summer, as temperatures increase and we get happier, there are side effects to that. Uh, During the summer, even as we're getting happier, that there is like, as the day gets nicer, that we, for example, uh, are less likely to engage in rigorous analytical thought. We just, we don't want to do it as much. And more than that, we are, we are less likely to uh, be productive at work. Like, in fact, there, there's study after study that have said that if it's raining out, that people are more productive at work than when it's sunny, which makes sense. You look out the window, you see the sun, you think of all the things you could be doing outside, but we're less productive at work when it's actually nice out. And so for those of you who are in human resources, you've been working really hard to keep people happy. That's not what you need to do. You need to make people sad, and then they'll be more productive at work. Okay, that's the first thing. The other thing that's really interesting is we're less likely to make decisions the hotter it gets. Like, we don't like making decisions. As it gets hotter, we... we, we Okay, so there was a study that came out that was done in St. Louis that was uh, just a couple years ago, I think, or last year even. And they were trying to figure out what is the correlation between the heat, the temperature, and um, how much people like, have a hard time making decisions. And so what they did was they studied gas stations. And they went to gas stations, and I never do this because I never go into gas stations. Like, you pay at the pump, you move on, that's it. But when you go into gas stations, there's all kinds of options that you can buy. And specifically, they were looking at scratch-off lottery tickets. Okay, I'm not saying anything about anything, I'm just saying that what they discovered is, apparently there's such a selection of scratch-off lottery tickets that when the the temperature goes up, the purchasing of scratch-off lottery tickets goes down. And they tied it to... This study that they did in in St. Louis was essentially that for every degree Fahrenheit increase in temperature, that the the amount of sales in scratch-off lottery tickets plummets by $594. So so what they said was there's so many that people don't like making decisions, so they just freeze up in the midst of it. Test scores go down as temperature increases. Um, in, In fact, if you want your child to go to a university that is known for academic rigor. There are studies that say that if you want them to sign up for one that they know will be a stretch academically for them, don't bring them on a day when it's sunny. Bring them when it's overcast and they're more likely to sign up for something that'll be more of a stretch then. Because as as the temperature goes up, as the weather gets nice, we get happier, we get lazier, and we get dumber. And if you don't believe me, California. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Or Texas, whatever. It doesn't matter. One of them. (laughs) Woohoo! All right. Now that I've got you all ticked off at me, here we go. So as we're getting into summer, we're also kicking off one of our series that is probably the most vital series that we're going to have this year, which is great planning on our part, um, because it is. It's, it's vitally important for us. And so in order to help you through that happy, dumb, lazy time of the year, we made it really very simple. Okay, so this is a three-week series 
that we are calling Pray, Invite, Bring. Okay? Can you guess what each of the weeks are going to be about in Pray, Invite, Bring? Very simple. Okay, we just want to make it as easy as possible. Really, the idea for this series, even as we were talking last week, we had Dr. Marsha Windsor, uh, an evangelist with us, and really, truly enjoyed having him. Fantastic. I love doing the interview style with him and hearing his heart. And really, what that was about was, really, uh, my prayer for this church has been that our heart would be in sync with God's heart, and that we would have the same care and the same attention and the same focus on reaching those who do not know Jesus Christ as he does, okay? We talked several weeks, about, weeks ago about the fact that Jesus Christ came to seek and save the lost. We cannot do the saving part. That's something that only Jesus Christ can do by the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. But we can do the seeking part. That's our participation in it. And so I, my prayer has been that our heart would beat in tune with his heart. And so I really enjoyed having Dr. Windsor here and, and interviewing him as a part of that and really just talking to him. Um, it was so very good. Um, but as part of that, as we're moving out of that, we want to do this three-week series that's building towards July 8th. And on July 8th, I'm just asking, okay, so here's what this series is. I'm not, we're not going to dig into... My personal preference on preaching is let's plant in one scripture... And see what that scripture has to talk to us about. And dig as deep as we possibly can right there. That's my style. That's my preference. That's the way I operate. This series is fundamentally different because all I'm doing is I'm getting up and I am asking you as the pastor of praise, please participate in this. And so all I'm asking is, please do this. Here's why. It all goes back to John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, uh, uh, verse 40, uh, there's story of Andrew who listened to and heard John the Baptist um, talking about Jesus Christ. Specifically, he heard John the Baptist say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when Andrew hears him in John chapter 1 verse 40, here's what happens. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew Simon Peter's brother. So immediately he knows there's something different about him and just begins to follow him. Incredible. He doesn't stop and seek more information. He knows. I'm going to follow this one. I'm going to be a disciple. But he doesn't stop there. He continues on. Because it says that right after that, verse 41, he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. So after he realizes it, first thing he does, I've got to tell my brother about that. So he heads off and he finds Simon, Peter, and says, Hey, Simon, I need to tell you about this guy, Jesus, who is the Messiah. He's the Christ. And he tells him about it. But then he doesn't stop there. He continues on. And it says, after he tells him about the Christ, verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So he, he first realizes it. Then he goes and tells him. And then he brings him. So on July 8th, what we're asking is that you would 
bring somebody here. But not just bring them here, that you would bring them also out to eat and talk with them and share Christ with them. So that you would bring them to church and bring them out to eat. That you would bring them more than just inviting them, more than just telling them about it, but that you would bring them with you. That you would go through that process. And so we're going to talk about that over three weeks this week. Pray next week. Invite the following week. Bring. Okay? But we're getting ahead of ourselves, or at least I'm getting ahead of us. Um, I want to go back to pray. Before I do, let me say this. How many times in Scripture do you find the name Andrew? Do you find this disciple Andrew? How many times is he mentioned? Twelve. How many times in Scripture do you find Peter? 171. What happens if Andrew stopped somewhere in the middle of that paragraph? What if Andrew just said, this is the Christ, I'm following him? but never went and told Peter. Or he told Peter, but then didn't bring him to Christ. How would the world be different? What if Edward Kimball had never brought D.L. Moody to Christ? What if Mordecai Ham had never brought Billy Graham to Christ? What would we be? The bringing is important. But let's go back to the praying, because today is pray. And uh, essentially, all I'm asking is this as part of this uh, series, that you would take time, or today, that you would dedicate yourself. And I know it's summer, and I know that it's not supposed to be a time for homework, but I'm going to give you some homework. And here's what it is. And again, just as the pastor, I'm going to lay it before you, and I'm going to ask you to take it up. And my hope is that you will. That you would, this week, dedicate yourselves to pray. To pray. And I, I, I don't want you to just pray random prayers, and I don't want you to just pray uh, generic prayers. I'm going to give you very specific pinpoint prayers, and if you would write them down or put them in your phone or whatever it takes for you to get this in your, in your heart and to actually decide to do it, okay? Because I'm going to ask, first and foremost, that you would begin by praying for you. Pray for you. Okay? Pray for you. Don't skip ahead. And don't get to bring yet. And don't get to invite yet. But take a week, this week, and spend this week praying specifically for you. And you may be praying for many other things. You may be praying for other people's lives. You may be praying for specific in, uh, situations in people's lives. And I'm not telling you to stop, but what I am saying is I want you to pray for yourself first. And I want you to be deliberate about, intentional about, make sure you're praying more for yourself than praying for others for this week. Take seven days and pray for you. And that can come across as selfish. I can come across as, boy, I'm praying for myself more than I'm praying for everybody else. And pff, I don't pray for myself. I just pray for other people. And can I just say to you, if that's you, you are so cool. You are like super spiritual. You are more spiritual than I am. I have to pray for me. You're more spiritual than Paul is because he prayed for Paul. 
You're more spiritual than Jesus is. So props for that. You are super spiritual if you won't pray for yourself. Or you're like, oh man, I can't pray for myself. I just got to pray for other people. One of my, fo- the, the, the passage of scripture that's one of my favorites that I dig into and as I seek on prayer to model myself after is the prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. Beautiful prayer. I've, I've, I've preached on it before, talked about it before, shared on it before. It's a beautiful prayer because in it, Jesus prays for all believers in all time. He prayed for you and me before we were even born in John chapter 17. Incredible, beautiful prayer. But as he, before he prays for you and me, he prays for his disciples. And before he prays for his disciples, Jesus prays for Jesus. I want to go there real quick. In John chapter 17, here's how Jesus prayers. In John chapter 17, verse 1, here's what it says. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So Jesus, before he prays for anybody else, he prays for himself first. He actually prays for himself in the third person, which you don't have to do unless you're Jesus, because that's just weird unless you're Jesus. But in Jesus' instance, he prays for himself in the third person. He says, glorify him, glorify the Son, and he talks and prays in that manner. But why does he do that? I think that it's important that I'm not basing a huge theology out of it, but I think it's a great idea to pray in concentric circles. Start by praying for you. And then after you pray for you, pray for your family and your spouse and your kids. And then after you pray for your family and your spouse and your kids, pray for your church and for your pastor. Pray for your city and pray for your state and pray for your nation and pray for your world. But work it outwards. Start in the core just like Jesus does because that's what he does in this pattern. He, he, he prays for himself, then he prays for his disciples, then he prays even further out than that. I, I think it's right out of like the flight attendant thing. Before you take care of somebody else, you get your own oxygen mask on, right? Like pray for you first. And so what I'm asking is that you would take this week before you do anything else, and I'm not going to give you times because that's not what this is, but that you would spend a week praying for you. But I want to ask you to pray for you with like some pinpoint accuracy kind of prayers. Just not again generic, but specific. Okay? So first, pray for you to care. Pray for you to care. I guess another way to say it is pray for you to have a burden. Pray for you to care beyond just your own situation, beyond just your own family, but to care about somebody else. And that's not normally the way I pray. Normally the way I pray is the opposite. Right? Like I do the first Peter 5, 7 thing where I pray, oh God, here's my care, and I cast it on him. 
I take my burdens and I throw them on him. And, and I think that that's the pattern that we find in Scripture most of the time. But this is a situation where I'm saying just the opposite. Pray that he gives you a care. Pray that he gives you a burden specifically for somebody else. That you would love somebody and care about somebody else. I love the passage in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Um, great passage of scripture where Jesus is talking and he, and he says to uh, those who are listening, he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. That is a great verse for summer. <laughs> I give you rest. That's the kind of verse you got to quote when you're laying in the hammock. Ah, he's given me rest. Your spouse comes out. And it's like the kids are inside and they're screaming. And I'm, you just say, I'm having a come to Jesus moment here, honey. <laughs> he's given me rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. <laughs> come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, though, says, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What I love about this verse is we quote it a lot to say, uh, talk about the rest portion of it. But when Jesus says, take my yoke on you, take my burden on you, what kind of language is that? The burden is like a donkey carrying a burden. He says, you're heavy laden right now. So, so take my burden instead. But still, what is a burden but carrying something from point A to point B? This is work language. The word yoke, he says, take my yoke upon you. What is a yoke? A yoke is what you do when you've got one ox and you want to take another ox and you put them together and you put the yoke on them and the two of them become oxen and then they pull that little plow through the dirt and they do work. What do they call the back part of the tractor? The thing that's sticking out that you hang the little brush hog on and other implements. It's called a yoke. Because you take the tractor and you put it to work. And when Jesus says this, he's saying, listen, when you take my yoke, it doesn't mean you aren't doing any work. It means that my yoke is totally different. The, 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 the burden you're carrying is not that heavy laden doing it all on my own. It's instead the fact that I can give you rest even as you are doing work. So when Jesus says, you're heavy laden, so instead take my yoke upon you. Take my burden upon you. It's just different because he's Lord of the Sabbath. So even as we're doing it, he gives us rest. So it's a fundamentally different thing, but there's still work. And I say this without judgmentalism because without Jesus, I don't care. Without Jesus and what he's done in my life, I care about me and I care about mine. But the Holy Spirit has done a tremendous work in my heart to the point where, boy, now I just, I care more about just me and just mine. But that's the work of the Holy Spirit in me. 
And that's not like what I've got going on. You know what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is this. Take time this week and, and just pinpoint accuracy. Pray for this. this is, I'm just asking you to do it. Pray for you to care. Pray to care. And then after you pray to care, pray for you to be led. Pray for you to be led. On July 8th, if we're going to do that big day and we're going to have a bunch of people here and everybody's bringing somebody, I don't want you to bring 30 people with you. I don't want you to bring 40 people with you. I want you to bring one person, one family, one coworker, one neighbor, one family. I mean, whatever that looks like for you. But I don't want you to just be like, I'm going to just invite everybody. That'd be great. But I'm asking on July 8th that you would just be led by the Holy Spirit and allow him to lead you in that and to show you one face, one name, one family. And maybe you don't even need to pray because like the moment we're talking about pray, invite, bring, you're like, oh, I already know who that is. I know exactly who it is. You've got the picture in your brain right now. You know already in your heart that name and you know exactly who you need to be inviting with you and bringing with you. Maybe you don't need to pray to be led to that person. I, I would encourage you to still pray to be led to that person, just in case. But if you already know, still pray. Pray that you're led by the Holy Spirit on what to say and when to say it and how to say it and when not to say anything at all. Because the great thing about the Holy Spirit is, even as it says in John chapter uh, uh, 6, uh, John chapter six, uh, 16, sorry, John chapter 16, verse 13. Here's what, it, here's what Jesus promised us about this Holy Spirit. Here's what it said. And when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. What an incredible advantage that is. I mean, last week when we had Dr. Windsor here, one of the things, like, it was a 45-minute interview. I really did enjoy it. But we could have stopped after 15 minutes when he said, you know what you need to do? You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because that's huge. And I'm not just talking about people who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you still can be led by the Holy Spirit, okay? But as we're talking there, and he says, just be led by the Holy Spirit. Really seek the Holy Spirit to lead you in this. Here's what's great about the Holy Spirit. Say I had a friend named Bob. Say Bob owns a chunk, a big chunk. Maybe he's the founder of a big corporation here in Springfield. So he's Bass Pro or O'Reilly or SRC or whatever, you know. Some large company, corporation here in Springfield that has multiple shareholders. Let's say I take Bob out for breakfast. And Bob's, I ask Bob, hey, how you doing, Bob? He goes, man, I'm doing awesome. Tomorrow, I'm letting all of our shareholders know that last year our profits were through the roof four times the year before. They have exploded in growth. And all of our shareholders are going to find out tomorrow that this all happened. And I said, Bob, that's awesome. So I leave my breakfast with Bob, and I call up my broker, and I say, hey, broker, you need to buy a 1,000 shares of Bob Inc. You know what happens? I get arrested, because that's called insider trading. It's illegal. 
because I have unfair information as to what's going on inside the heart of this company, right? It's like I know something that the rest of the shareholders don't know, and so when I buy and, and they lose out, that, that's illegal, and I will go to jail unless I'm rich and I have friends, and then I can get out of it, and that'll be great. But let's just say, isn't that what the Holy Spirit is to us? Right? As we pray for the Holy Spirit's leading, doesn't he give us unfair information into the heart of a person? And maybe we don't know exactly what's going on, but when he says, say this, and we say it, it's like, bam, right to the heart of it. It's a fundamentally different experience when you invite somebody to church and what you say is exactly what they've been going through on the inside. So really, through this week, take time to pray for you to be led. So I'm just saying, okay, number one, pray for you to care. Pray for you to be led. Here's the third one and the, the last one for us. Pray for you to be bold. Pray for you to be bold. I was talking to one of our members uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, wanted to pray for him, and so I contacted Larry Shannon, one of our members, and I said, hey, Larry, I really feel like I'm supposed to be praying for you, and I want to just be praying for you. What can we be praying for you about? And Larry Shannon said to me, Alan, would you just, just pray that for me to have boldness? And the first thought that popped up in my head was, the last thing Larry Shannon needs is to be more bold. So I called Cindy, or I talked to Cindy, and I said, hey, Cindy, he asked for boldness. And I'm going to pray for him for it. <laughs> because you know what? The last thing I thought Paul would need would be boldness. Right? Like, when I think of Paul, I think of the guy who stands at Mars Hill, and, you know, he's, he's not afraid to preach and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet regularly, Paul asked, pray for me for two things, clarity and boldness. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, he says this very thing. He says, uh, praying for all of these things, pray also for me, in verse 19, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That's exactly what we should be praying for ourselves for praying for boldness that when the opportunity comes and the Holy Spirit leads me and boy, I really need to say this one thing, that we have the boldness to actually step out and do it. And that's hard. But I remember the very first time I prayed for boldness, and I've told some of you guys this before. First time I prayed for boldness, I can remember almost exactly what it looked like. It's about 12 years ago now. And I was sitting at the corner of Norton and Glenstone, about two blocks south of here. And it was the very first day of my last semester at Central Bible College. And I was sitting there at the stoplight on my way back from CBC. At the time, I worked at Praise, and so I was heading over here to work and worked in the maintenance department, so I was going to work. And, and I was sitting there at that stoplight this first day of the last semester because of the fact that I had just had a class called Homiletics II. Homiletics 2 is what all the cool kids call the art of preaching, okay? And I had already had homiletics 1. 
And I put these classes off until the last two semesters of going to CBC because of the fact that I was deathly afraid of public speaking. I knew, I just knew that I couldn't do it because when you're public speaking, people, they, I don't know how you do it, but you can stare at me for 45 minutes without blinking one time. You don't blink. It really feels very judgmental, okay? And I knew that this was the case, and I was nervous about it, and so I kept putting it off and kept putting it off, and I'm like, oh, goodness, help me, Lord. And I put it off until the last two semesters, and the second to last semester, first day, I had to take homiletics one, and I go to that class, and I am terrified. First thing the professor says, don't worry, you won't have to preach in homiletics one. I'm like, first off, how do I get through homiletics without preaching? But we just had to write sermons. I'm like, score. Okay, get to homiletics two. First day, the professor says, during this class, you will preach three times. And I'm thinking, it's the last semester. Is it too late to transfer to evangel? (laughs) I think I'd make an okay accountant. (laughs) And so I'm driving. Stopped at that stoplight over on Norton and Glenstone. And I'm sitting there in my car. And I can remember, I can picture it. I I I can just feel that moment. And I remember praying, Oh God, if you have called me to this, then give me the boldness to do this. It was 12 years ago. And he did it. So don't be afraid to pray for boldness. And let me step out and say one more thing. And again, I'm just laying this before you because I know of many people, not one, not five, not ten, in this church who are seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Something that was promised to us, a gift that was offered to us. If you pray, are praying for that and seeking that, for this week, let me ask you to do this. Set that request aside And pray for these three things instead. Okay, you guys aren't blinking. But pray for these three things instead. Pray that you're led. Pray that you care. And pray that he makes you bold. Because guess what? Those are the things that are promised in the baptism in the Holy Spirit to us. Seek the why, not the what, and see what he does. So take this week. Set it aside. And pray for you for these three things. Pray that you care. Pray that you're led. And pray that you're bold. Okay? Next week, after you take seven days and pray for that, next week, I want you to shift your prayers. Stop praying for yourself. And as the Lord leads and the Holy Spirit puts somebody on your heart, begin to pray for them. Pray for them. I think sometimes we think that we don't understand, I should say, the power that prayer has. Here's the thing. And if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. People can ignore our words. When we say something about Christ, they can ignore it. 
And when we open up and we say, listen, this has made such a difference for me, they can reject that. And they can despise you and me. But you know what they can't do anything about? Our prayers. I remember many years ago, I had a friend, I still have him, but this was before I was a Christian, I had this friend. Before I'd ever heard of Praise Assembly or even Springfield, Missouri, I had this friend. And one day this friend came to me and said to me, Alan, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. And that made me so mad. I looked at him and I swear to you, this is what I said. I said, I don't need your prayers and I don't want your prayers. So mad. Who are you to think you need to pray for me? Guess what? He didn't stop. And years later, I talked to him again about it again. He goes, do you remember that? And I said, oh, yeah, I do. And he goes, you know what I was thinking when you said that to me? You said, I don't want your prayers. And you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, that's okay. I'm not giving them to you. (laughs) And he kept on praying. And there was nothing I could do about it. He was praying for me when I didn't want anything to do with those prayers. And he kept on praying when I told him to stop. And there was nothing I could do until I surrendered my heart completely and fully to Jesus Christ. And then I went to him and I said, thank you so much for praying for me when I told you to stop. So pray for them. And take a week before you even talk to them, before you even invite them, before you even tell them that you're praying for them. Just go to the, uh, to the Lord first and pray for them first. But pray for them, I want, again, two things. And write them down just so you can be really pinpoint accuracy in your prayers. Pray uh, not just that they would accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. I would ask that you would pray for a week for them for two things. Number one, that they would have an open heart. Pray for them to have an open heart. Because the thing is, that's not something you or I can do. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, uh, Paul is in Philippi and he's bringing the gospel there. And as he goes, he goes down by the river and there he finds this group of ladies and he begins to preach and share the gospel with them. And in verse 14, it says this, And one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. So she, she already knew about uh, Judaism and she knew and and, and it says here that she was a worshiper, but then here as he brought the gospel of Jesus Christ, here's what it says. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Paul didn't do it. He brought the gospel. Who did the opening of the heart? God did that, and he's the only one who can do that. Like, we can't bring a crowbar with us and say, hey, I just want to open up your heart. Right, like you do that one time, but they take the crowbar away when they arrest you. Okay, so that only works one time. That might be effective one time. All right, I'm getting saved today. But after that, no longer effective. 
We can't do the opening up of somebody's heart. That's impossible. That's beyond our effort. We can't even move the needle on our own heart. So we can't do it on somebody else's. So just begin to pray and ask the Lord to begin working and opening up the heart to hear the message that you will bring. So pray for that. Pray for the Lord to open their hearts. Okay? Pray for Him to be moving in their hearts. And then after you pray for him to move in their hearts, I want to ask that you would pray for them to be drawn. Pray for them to be drawn to the message of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 6, verse 44, it says Jesus was speaking again there. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. You know what's really interesting about this verse is some people think that only certain people can come to Christ based on this verse. That God only draws the ones he wants to. Okay? And that is such a corrupt view of the gospel. Because in John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus also said, when I am lifted up on the cross, I will draw all people to myself. Okay? So you don't need to worry about is this the one <laughs> that, someone, that God wants to save? He wants to save them all, okay? The gospel's gone out to all. He's drawing all. But begin to pray and seek the Holy Spirit to lead in that way. And another prayer that you might pray along these same lines is just that he would begin to send out workers regularly. This is a prayer that Jesus told us to pray. Send workers across their path. Because, again, fundamentally different experience when you walk up to somebody and say, hey, I really just feel like... I need to invite you to church with me on, John, uh, on July, chap, uh, July 8th. John chapter 8. On John chapter 8, I want to invite you to church. July 8th, I want to bring you to church. I, I want you to come with me. I, I, come on, would you just come to church with me? It's a fundamentally different experience if they've been thinking, you know what? I really need to get in church. Or if they've been thinking, boy, I've got like 10 people talking to me about Jesus Christ. I wonder if there's something to this. If it's been thing after thing after thing, if it's, if it's one person after another who are saying the same thing, boy, sooner or later you start to go, okay, is there something to this? If we just like bulldoze into it without praying ahead of time, then boy, maybe it won't be quite as effective. So, so here's what I'm asking, that you would pray for you first. And that you would pray that you would care. And pray that you would be led. And pray that you would be bold. And do that for a week. And then after that week is over, I know it's summer, but I want to ask just that you would transition in your prayers and as the Holy Spirit has begun to put somebody's name or picture on your heart or on your mind, that you would just begin to pray for them. And you would pray for them to have an open heart and pray for them to be drawn. And see what God does before you even do an invite. Because the way I think of this, and I came up with this illustration completely on my own, is it's kind of like soil. Think about it. Because when there's a soil that's hard, at home, if I've got a spot where, and I do, <laughs> I wish grass would grow, 
but it's just bare, and it's hard, and the ground is compacted. And if I go over there and I just toss seed on it, it's a really good chance that it won't grow. Marshall said last week, the seed's good. So maybe what we need to do is just pray for the Holy Spirit to go ahead of time and aerate the soil. You know what aerate the soil means? It's when you cut down into it. and We can't do that, right? That's not our job. It's not possible for us to do that. Again, we can't even move the needle on our own heart, but God can. So as we turn that over to him in prayer, as we say to him, oh God, this is beyond me. I can't accomplish this. But I know you by your Holy Spirit can be working in this person's life. Just work on their hearts, God. Work on their heart. And give me the boldness and lead me. Help me to care. See what God does. Before you get to the inviting, before you get to the bringing, just spend some time praying. And so what I'm asking from you is that you would pray. That you would spend this week praying. That you would spend next week praying and see what God does. Hudson Taylor said, um, he was a missionary to China and uh, started a missionary organization there. And Hudson Taylor said one time, we want God to move men through prayer alone. Essentially what he is saying is that we can't do this. We can't force it. Only God can do it. And the way God's going to do it is through prayer. And so please, 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 don't skip this step. And make sure to invest in this step. Before you pray for anybody else, start by praying for yourself. And then pray for them. Would you stand with me? Because we're going to end with prayer uh, today. And here's what I'm going to pray. I want to pray that the Lord would make us care. That he would give us a burden. Then after he gives us a burden, that he would also lead us by his Holy Spirit. And after he leads us, that he would give us boldness by his Holy Spirit. That he would put somebody on our heart for us to be praying for, and then that he would remind us to pray for them and be intentional about that. Take this time and really just begin to seek his leading today. Father, as we come to you right now, we recognize that we are so limited in what we can do. God, we're limited in how we can move even the needle on our own heart and change our own heart. We can't make ourselves care, but God, we want to be like Paul was in Romans chapter 9 where where he says it there, he says, listen, I, I would rather go to hell than have them go to hell. I would rather be the one who's punished and not them. I want them to come to a saving knowledge in Jesus Christ. But God, I feel that way towards my own family, and I, I, I have a hard time extending it beyond that. But make me care, oh God. Give me, cut my heart. Give me a burden for others, and, and give us as a church a burden 
for others. Help us to, to, to have eyes beyond ourselves and help us to see other people and where they are and how they're broken and their deep, deep need for you. And so God, I just pray that you would help us to see that need even ourselves and to feel that need and have that burden. And then God, I just pray right now by your Holy Spirit, you would begin to lead each of us and who we would be inviting and bringing to church with us on July 8th. God, help us. Put, us, put a name or a picture in our heart and in our mind. And then, Father, after you put that picture and name in our heart, lead us in what we should say and how we should say it and when we should be saying it and when we need to be silent. Lead us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the leadership of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for that incredible promise. And Lord, we just pray that you would lead us. Finally, Lord, we ask that you would give us boldness. In the name of Jesus, help us when the time comes to be bold. And Lord, remind us all week long to be praying for ourselves for these three things. Be diligent in prayer over these things. And Lord, do a tremendous work. Do a tremendous work. We just ask that over these next, in this next month right now that you would just begin to work in people's hearts. God, that you would make them open to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, open to coming to church, open to receiving that. And, and God, we also pray that you would draw them, that they would know, wow, there's something bigger here than this person just inviting me. Just begin to work on hearts and minds right now for those, every single person in here who's committing to this right now, may you be working on that person's heart and their mind in order to, that they might receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, in all of this, our greatest desire is that you would receive the glory, that your kingdom would advance. Not our own, but yours, O oh God. Have your way, we ask, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Give us a heart that beats in tune with your heart, O oh God. A heart after yours. We thank you for it. And we ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Here in a moment, I'm going to dismiss.